back to a very special episode of uh, Penalties here on LA is Our House. We're going to be talking to a very, very special guest about the MLS regular season, about the playoffs, about the Galaxy's meltdown, um, and uh, maybe transition into some uh, national team news. Uh, let's go ahead and meet the other co-hosts of LA is Our House, Mr. David Arona. Hey, hey. And Mr. Bobby Lepe. How you doing? And I'm your host, Louis Barone, and here with us today to talk some soccer. Very special guest coming from Fox Sports, broadcaster for Fox Sports, and in my opinion, the face of all things soccer on Fox Sports. Mr. Rob Stone <laughs> yeah. is here with us tonight. How you doing, Rob? I am doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, happy Halloween, sir. Are you in full costume? I saw the picture uh, about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is Halloween. I I have four kids, so uh, they have passed on the Halloween bug to me. Uh, so uh, I, I dressed up on a whim years ago, and then now I created these expectations, uh, these unrealistic expectations. So now they're constantly on me. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? So I have to be the talent that wears and walks around school and does stuff. So, but there is a part of me that clearly enjoys it. So that's all right. <laughs> well, we awesome. we certainly year, seen. Goes Alan, I'm, I want to go like I want to go like as an Alan Gordon type, but oh. uh, it's just too deep, and you know only like one parent would actually understand what I'm doing. Well, that, that that and you might get you might get arrested for you know for lewd. Uh... <laughs> Loot conduct there. I don't know if you want to do that. Around that's all right, but I'll, I'll, still, I'll still score a game winner in the 89. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's all that matters. And that's <laughs> how you're going to get remembered. I actually saw a picture um, just like before we called you um, a picture on Twitter. Someone had dressed their kids up as Marcelo Bielsa. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. Board <laughs> right. parents are a good thing sometimes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the MLS regular season is officially over, and um, Decision Day took place um, three days ago, and MLS gives us one last reminder that MLS is anything but straightforward, upset after upset after upset. Uh, What did we think of this year's Decision Day, Rob? Well, number one, I think the concept is fantastic. You know, uh, I I don't want to date myself and go back to the days that (laughs) – you know, we didn't have these these marked these branded days that everybody could kind of come together, and um, you know, it, it was so difficult to try and have a, a double header, much less you know uh, a series of eleven games going on at the same time. But now that we've got all these soccer specific stadiums, and we've got a better control over over schedules and stadiums, that we're able to do something really special like this, really unique. Um, and I think it's awesome. I, I think it's something that uh, a lot of other people probably want to want to jump on board with down the road and the fact that every game mattered this year um, just amplified it that so much was still on the line from playoff spots in the east and the west and supporter shield um, I, I thought it was a fascinating day and I thought it was great that you know the fact that um, so many curveballs were sent our way that we really weren't anticipating and, and you know we were too busy glorifying Atlanta season and then oh by the way it's the Red Bulls who walk away with the best regular season in MLS history not just this year uh, you know, little facts like that that kind of uh, get taken taken for granted. The fact that Toronto, uh, you know, last year's you know shiny unicorn, and then and then this year's you know poop emoji gets <laughs> gets crushed this season, but then blast you know Atlanta this year. It's, it's amazing, and I think there's a lot of it says about MLS that you know every game matters. Um, you know, you want to take off some of those those hot July 
August days where you're going to pay for it come decision day in October when you really need uh, three points, not just a point. Um, and, and the fact that there is so much parity in this league, too, whether you like parity or not, it is here and it's alive and well. And uh, it, it's been running around this league for years and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere for now. Yeah, I think um, the parity is, is pretty important. You're not going to get a, a two-horse race at, that, that you see in, say, Spain or even Germany. You're, you're going to have a bunch of uh, teams going in and, and fighting, and every point is um, is important uh, throughout the season. And um, and I think decision day was a, was a wonderful decision um, that the higher-ups made. Um, it, it's made for some fantastic drama. Um, um, at the end of the season that I think we can all um, as MLS and soccer fans really, really get behind here. Um, whether you're a neutral or you were heartbroken uh, as we were. Um, so speaking of the heartbreak and you had mentioned Atlanta, uh, there's a little debate going on and we already had this debate. Um, which one was the bigger meltdown Atlanta or the galaxy on decision day? Galaxy. Yeah. Galaxy. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta already knew, uh, they were going in as, as the one or two team in the league. Uh, they already knew you know, they had the league's highest goal score. They've achieved and accomplished so much on and off the field. Uh, and the Galaxy, to me, were, were the the bigger surprise, the biggest disappointment, particularly with the fact that they had this lights-out start. And it wasn't Zlatan, it was Ola that was carrying them. And um, the, the collapse is, is stunning. Uh, and then when you put it into context with the fact that they've, they've run through so many head coaches lately, and it's the second year in a row that they've missed the playoffs. And, you know, this is, this is really the golden child of MLS. If you ask me, you know, this, this is the standard bearer. This is what people want to be. I know you can say, wow, Atlanta's great. They're, they've set a template as with LAFC for, you know, what future expansion teams should be. But in the end, you know, it's about winning wings. It's about um, having personnel on your team that the nation, not just your, your town relates to, um, I, I think the Galaxy through the years have done it right. Uh, but obviously, when you kind of peel back a couple of the layers, you see, all right, well, there's some problems, there's some issues. Uh, and they've started creeping in the last couple of years. And, you know, just imagine if Vatan wasn't here, right? You know, where, where would this club be without exactly. Vatan? And again, Vatan, Vatan was supposed to be there last season, you know, and, and what would that have done for Kurt Anolfo? You know, he was told, you're going to play this way with these kids. Uh, and then we're going to change the rules. And, oh, by the way, whether they admit it or not, Zlatan was prepared to be there for that season until that knee injury happened. So, um, you know, things, things change. And, you know, I, I, I've been seeing some parallels with, with the U.S. soccer conversation and the LA Galaxy lately where, you know, we have these expectations. We hold them to this level. Um, and then when things absolutely flame out, we go, oh, wait a second. There, there were cracks here all along. Uh, the, there, there are issues. We need to fix this. And, and you're seeing that with the Galaxy right now. And uh, U.S. soccer is going through it at the same time as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, certainly something that we, we talked about, how the Galaxy kept seemed to paper, paper over the, the problems that they were having. But you have an organization and uh, like the Galaxy and, and like U.S. soccer, for, for that matter, where you have this sort of arrogance and complacency and, and lack of accountability in, in both organizations. It's, it's, it's only fitting that they're both gunning for the same manager yeah, you know, uh, I mean, to, to kind of right the ship there. Yeah, arrogance and complacency you know, are kind of trigger words for me because I, I don't know how arrogant they were. I don't know how complacent they were. It's hard to say the Galaxy were complacent when they went out and, and brought in the Zlatan, you know, I mean, that, that just says, no, we're not complacent. We're here to fight. 
but you could definitely say we, we clearly that, that elements were clearly overlooked and, and under or overvalued. Um, and, and some of it at some point, and this is beyond just the galaxy, this is an MLS problem to me, is that where are we seeing the youth? Where, where are we seeing the kids coming up? You know, we've had these developmental academies and we've infused, you know, millions and millions of dollars in, in these local kids and the, and the local product that are supposed to be the next stars. Where are they? You know, we're not seeing them and we're not seeing them in MLS or if we do see them, it's for fleeting moments. And then somebody comes up and, and scoops them up. And I'm all right with that. I don't mind selling players. I get it. This is a business, but um, particularly here in Southern California, you would think there would just be a nonstop flow of talent. I go out in these fields and I see these kids. I'm like, holy cow, these guys are great. Yeah. These kids should be able to make, you know, those next couple steps to be a professional player and not just low dose, which is a fantastic uh, concept. And it's done it a lot, but how many kids from low dose have made that move uh, to the galaxy? And look, I get it. It's not like, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona's B team are just, you know, constantly flooding the A team with talent. You know, that, that's a different story where, you know, every couple of years they get a guy who, who breaks through, but, but in, in MLS and U S soccer, we should be seeing more. And, and I think we're spending too much time, developing defenders and outside midfielders and, and not caring at all about offense and, and creativity. You know, if you look at MLS rosters right now, top to bottom, you know, your number 10s, your forwards are your DPs, are your international players. And there are very few opportunities for Americans, particularly young Americans, to, to break through those ranks. And, and I get it. You know, what GM is going to say, why wouldn't I take this veteran from insert South American country here over this this 17 year old unproven product from Temecula, um, you know I need to win. I need to win now, and I'm going to go with this guy who cost five times as much rather than giving this local talent uh, the opportunity. And it, it's hard to to kind of stand up and say no, that's not right. These kids need to play. And and the Galaxy did try to do it uh, two years ago, and it backfired. I think in sense because they said we're all in with this concept rather than maybe a, a trickle, uh, let's turn up the hose power a little bit and, and you know, make it a steadier stream. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree that there are, um, there should be opportunities for um, up-and-comers to get a chance, um, prove that they can make it. Um, I, I think part of the problem uh, with the Galaxy is that because of the success that they have had, in the past in bringing in these big players it's really hard for them to break from that um from that strategy from that philosophy now they did do it two two years ago as you said but they did it and they executed it so poorly you couldn't just say i'm taking a usl side and making it my mls side It, it was just poorly done and um it wasn't well thought out and you know, I'm not going to ask you to rip, rip into the uh, Galaxy front office here. That's our job. But, um, I mean, do you see any sort of long-term plan um, from the Galaxy to be competitive once again? Well, if it's going through the youth ranks, uh, I'm not sure how clearly I see that. But I don't know if I really see that through any club in MLS. Uh, yes, there's a few more clubs around the league that have shown more willingness uh, to go with the kids or, or to try uh, a USL product and bring them up. But again, we're talking about the galaxy here, right? And, and the galaxy are in a major market and have to be competitive um, on and off the field. That's why a signing like a Beckham or Zlatan makes so much sense. These are things that the galaxy has to do and continue to need to do. Um, I think what they probably are, are thinking about right now is, all right, we need to keep bringing in these big guys. 
but we also need to start seeing if we have good enough young talent to bleed them in. You know, I, I want young up and coming, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids on that galaxy one roster hanging out in the locker room with Zlatan and practicing mm-hmm. with him and learning uh, from a guy like Zlatan or, you know, any of the other, you know, uh, Alessandrini, you know, uh, any of the other leaders on that team. I, I, I want these kids around and, and, and to be able to see that, but it's a precarious situation for coaches, for GMs, for presidents. Um, I think if you're in a smaller market and, and with a club that has had less success, it's a lot easier to say, oh, you know, because the expectations are low, we're going to try these kids and, and they get credit for that. It's, it's really got to, it takes, it takes, <laughs> it takes a lot more because uh, you're putting a lot more on the line when you start rolling it out for the kids with these bigger, high-profile clubs. I don't know what the answer is. My guess is, if, if I was in management, it would be let's try to find a way to, to make it a, a little, a little bit more of a blend. Um, still be, you know, heavy on on veterans and and you know proven players, but we have got to get these kids in, and we've got to find them. I mean, they're out there. They're absolutely out there. And I think once a big club does show that hey, we can do it, and we trust the process, and these kids are good enough that you're going to see a lot more people follow. And, and then I think you're going to see um, the rise of the U.S. national team as well because I, I think MLS has gotten away from giving the American player the time and the opportunity, and it's directly impacted the U.S. men's national team. Look, we still, we have, how long has it been since we've had a left fullback? You're like, how can we not produce a left fullback? How can somebody in MLS not give us a left fullback uh, that can compete uh, on the international stage in CONCACAF for the U.S. men's national team. Mm. That was never a problem in years past. Uh, and now uh, that we're getting bigger, the league, when I say we, when the league is, is getting bigger and, and more lucrative and, and spending more money, uh, my concern, and it, it's going right now, is that the, the young American player is the one that's paying the price for it. Yeah, um, I definitely want to transition to the men's national team right now, but I want to ask you one last question because you had mentioned that the Galaxy is pretty much the golden child of MLS um, granted that this, um, they have not made the playoffs in uh, two years in a row. That's only ever happened one other time in team history. But the way things are going, the way this organization is headed compared to what Atlanta is doing, what NYCFC is doing, um, uh, unfortunately for us, what LAFC is doing, and I'm sure what Cincinnati will do when they enter the league, should Galaxy fans be afraid that the Galaxy will be irrelevant? At some point, no, because no, of all I would, that, I would never, I would never worry about that. I mean, I think you could make a strong case that the Galaxy are one of the most relevant clubs still in MLS, despite missing the playoffs two years in a row. Um, you know, to to me, they're they're in a similar vein of the New York Cosmos, where people just know the club, they know the name, and you know, my my friend Alexi Lawless has cracked in the past about you know super club. We want to be a super club, and and that's something he tried to do with the Galaxy, and I think the Galaxy are as close to that right now uh, in MLS, just, just out of brand, out of name recognition, colors, the players that have played there. Um, you say LA Galaxy, it resonates beyond these borders. I don't think if you say Colorado Rapids, it resonates beyond Colorado's borders. Hell, I don't even know if it resonates through most of Denver, to be honest mm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the Galaxy are, are, are not going away. Uh, I think they, they realize that it's time – uh, that, that they need to do some type of, of a reboot. And it's not a marketing reboot. It's not an image reboot. It's, it's inside. What are we doing soccer-wise? Uh, you know, it's, it's a massive off-season for the Galaxy. You know, I, I don't think there's – you know, I, I'm not fully convinced that, that this Laton um, issue has been resolved. You know, I think on the outside, it's, 
everybody's kind of assuming he's coming back, but I wouldn't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect Zlatan to kind of speak his mind a little bit more. You know, he's not used <laughs> to losing. He's not used to failing. Um, and there's going to be a lot of changes. You know, what, what do you do with Team Dos Santos? <laughs> I mean, that's a problem that has been there for months upon months. Um, how come this team can't defend? You know, what happened there? Uh, there's a lot of issues. How come the kids, how come we're not seeing, you know, local talented kids come up and play? So I don't know if that's scouting. I don't know, you know, what they're going to do in the direction of a head coach. Uh, but the Galaxy have, to me, one of the more interesting off seasons in franchise history upon them right now. Definitely. Um, and um, we all are aware of that. We have a new head coach that apparently is supposed to be coming in um, unless they could, uh, decide to keep Dominic Kinnear on a permanent basis. Uh, we were 50-50 on whether Zlatan returns. Um, he's going to want a DP contract. We don't have a DP slot available next season. I know there's a couple guys that are out of contract. Um, a lot of defenders are going to be out. I, we suspect that actually Cole is um, is done and um so yeah it's going to be extremely interesting and I, I think all galaxy fans are kind of a little on edge um we don't know entirely yeah, what mean, to expect I'd be, I'd be nervous as well uh just because you know the unknown creates nervous moments um and there's a lot of unknowns on that team i mean i don't think there is anybody on that roster that should that we should assume and for most part they should assume we'll be back with the galaxy next year mm-hmm. obviously we know a large part will be but I, I wouldn't say anybody's spot is is confirmed, um, and that that's from Zlatan right on down. Just because of who knows what direction they're going to go, and you know Zlatan, I, I think a lot of chips will fall with what he decides to do. You know, yeah, uh, yeah he, he was a hell of a team player on and off the field. Mm-hmm. You know what he did for this league and what he did for this club, and and at that pay point, we all realize he deserves more. Yes, um, and his agent clearly <laughs> realizes that as well. Um, to me, I, I think it's you need to figure out what is Lafton going to do? What is the head coach and the system going to be uh, with scouting and, and management and the, and the youth coming up? And what do you do with the Dos Santos brothers? You know, does, can you keep one? Um, do you keep both? Do you get rid of them both? I, I don't know what that is, but it sounded so awesome and beautiful uh, and bucolic when, when they were both signed together and Jonathan joined the fold. Uh, but you know, my dark side appeared and I said, what happens when they need to get rid of one of them? Because that to me feels like a package deal. Um, unless they're both mm-hmm. understanding of, of that's the situation and time to move on. But, you know, I, I'd be stunned if Giovanni is, is still with the team next season. I, I think they've got to figure that out and oh, yeah. clear that space so they can spend that money because it, it has not paid off. Mm-mm. Yeah, that is the that is definitely the $64,000 question right there that all Galaxy fans want answered. Uh, what does right. happen uh, with Gio and Jonathan? Um, do we, you know, uh, I can tell you right now that Galaxy fans would love to keep Jonathan and send Gio anywhere. Um, I mean, they're even saying just buy out his contract uh, for that final year. I, I don't see that happening personally, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, speaking of unknowns and lack of direction let's go ahead and talk about the national team for a second um it's been well over a year since the united states failed to qualify for the world cup in 2018 they are still without a coach uh what is your opinion on that (laughs) what is taking so long you know what, what are we doing here um i was all right uh with the initial lag time you know my gut said 
no need to jump into a coach till post World Cup. You get your full available list of candidates. Uh, you can really scour and sort things out. Uh, but now this is just too long. Now, now we're in the wasted territory window where we've had games in camp um, that you want your next leader to be a part of and, and evaluating and, and, and scheming and designing lineups and systems so we can understand what's going on. And, you know, I, I feel like these last couple of camps have just been, have been wasted. You know, I appreciate what Dave Sarkin and his staff have done, but in the end, what does it really mean? What does it really matter if, if we still don't have the boss in charge and, and then if there's all the talk out there that it's Greg Borhalter, which I'm fine with, why not? Why wasn't he named months ago? Right. Uh, I would have been fine if Greg Borhalter carried on his duties as head coach of Columbus and the U S national team until Mm -hmm. the MLS regular season was over. I I think that's a manageable situation with your staff in place. That's something that could be done. Um, And there's more and more chatter out there. And again, I I give Ernie Stewart and U S soccer credit here that, it drives me nuts how quiet it's been and, and they haven't let anything leak out, but I, I admire them for that and, and doing what they feel is best. Um, what I feel is best is interviewing a ton of candidates and getting ideas, whether you know ahead of time you want this, this candidate, male or female or not, what does it hurt to have an interview? You know, you can learn things from these interviews. You can pick up some ideas and, and somebody, and how many times have we seen in a job interview, somebody that we didn't think was going to be a serious candidate ends up crushing it in an interview and brings up some great ideas to the table where it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe you're not going to be our next coach, but these ideas are fantastic and should be implemented. And maybe you can serve a better role with you know, the U-17s or the U-20s. So with all this downtime, there, there should have been you know, 10 to 20 candidates interviewed. No matter how serious you were or they were with them, I don't know what the harm was, you know? We spent time interviewing people in U.S. soccer circles to find out what the best abilities are for a head coach. I, I think that's something that we all could have handled on a conference call, to be honest with you, over 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and now we're just sitting here waiting, twiddling our thumbs. And if it's out of courtesy to Columbus uh, and Greg Berhalter, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't buy that. Um, this job is more important for everybody. It's more important than the league. It's more important. It's, it's the most high-profile position in U.S. soccer. So this should yeah. have been taken care of a long, long time ago. And I, right now, it's just it's lost opportunities. I agree. Uh, 100%. I agree. Ernie Stewart actually said that if, they, if, the number one, if their number one candidate was interested in the job, they would not interview anybody else, if I'm not mistaken. I think he said something along those lines. And it seems that Burhalter was the number one pick, uh, or at least that's the assumption that he was the top candidate for the job. Um, reports that Peter Vermees, Oscar Pereja, uh, Tata Martino, Tab Ramos, none of, the, none of these guys were interviewed you talked about you know bringing in different ideas, even if you they weren't real candidates. It seems that they are stuck on on you know they have like tunnel vision. This was their guy. They yeah. had you know um, that's a problem, isn't it? If you know, I, I also have nothing against Greg Berhalter, but if that is the cream of the crop for you, is that not a problem for U.S. Soccer that they are so well, it's, you know? It's a problem to me that it's a problem to me that we haven't again if. If we don't know anything because no facts have come out. Uh, but, you know, if there's only one person interviewed and there's only one person you want for the job, that's a problem. Right. Um, because, you know, 
this is a good job. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think people realize that that this is a uh, this is one of maybe the top twenty jobs in soccer international soccer coaching circles out there. I think there's a ton of people out there who would love to be part of this project, would love to live in the United States, would uh, love to be a part of, of everything that we are doing and in, in, in the direction that we're going in. This is, to me, not only just in the States, but internationally, this is a high-profile job. This is a good, a good gig to get, and I think a lot of people would want it. Um, and the fact that you're, you're closing the doors on so many potential candidates uh, is very problematic. That, that's, that's not the way things like this should be run anywhere in, in any type of business. Um, you just don't do that. Uh, look, and, and I understand there's, there's certain situations and, there, and there's, there's some pockets where you can say, look, if there's a shot that, you know, go, go to college football, if there's a shot we can get Nick Saban. He's the only guy that we would change for. Let's, we go after him, right? Like those situations are different. Um, U.S. soccer is not in that, in that pool mm-hmm. right now. And they should be mm-hmm. talking to a huge pool of candidates to get some ideas and, and, and further the growth. And they should have been done a long time ago, a long time ago. Um, assuming that Burt Halter does end up uh, as U S men's national team coach, true or false. Does Greg Burt Halter lead the national team to the next level? Well, I guess it depends what the next level is. I mean, right now our next level is just getting back to the world, getting Cup. back to the world <laughs> cup. <laughs> And, which is a which is a problem in, in and of itself, right? If our expectations have been dumbed down, to to, to yeah, simply well, make well, it. Well, it is, but I mean, I think that's also what the, to an extent, the expectations have been for decades now is get to the World Cup, uh, and then try and sort things out. You know, try to get to the second round. Um, yes, 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 yes. The, the, whoever, look, <laughs> I, I'm not a coach. I feel confident that I could get the U.S. team to the World Cup, right? right. We have that talent. <laughs> we, we should be able to get there. We, we know what the competition level is throughout CONCACAF. We are better than, than what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so the expectation should 100% be getting back to the World Cup. Um, the problem is that those expectations, as you mentioned, have been lowered. That, that's where we're at right now. And it's not how about we create some fantastic number 10s and, and we've got you know, a, a surplus of forwards that you know, people would – would be jealous to have. And, you know, this nation is trending in the right direction and we're getting scouts from, you know, some of these great European clubs coming by consistently to watch our up and coming talent. Um, that's what I think our expectations should be is that, that we start really progressing as a nat- as a nation. And, and I'm hoping this is one big giant reset button that this whole nightmare plus of the last year and change uh, gives all of us this great opportunity to say, we're going to make this a, a better program and our expectations uh, are going to be so much more elevated than they have been for a while. That's my hope. Uh, and I don't know how realistic it is as we sit here continuing to waste, waste not any days and weeks, but we're, we're wasting months right now. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, two more questions for you, Rob, before we let you go. Um, what is uh, the current identity of this United States uh, program um, and of the us as a footballing nation and how do you define identity yeah that's a good one um you know i think our current identity is is frankly is unknown i i think i knew what it used to be uh you know it used to be hard-working sobs um that when the game was over the other team would be like damn i'm glad that game is over these guys are tough to play against um you know the, the old u.s soccer and i think a, a lot of it's just because times 
the times have changed. You know, uh, we always hearken back to the good old days of, you know, Joe Max Moore and company. But, you know, Ernie Stewart said something to me a couple weeks ago, like, hey, when Columbia was over there celebrating a goal, our guys didn't care. They didn't bat an eyelash. He's like, back in the old day, somebody would have gotten in there and stirred that pot and would have made sure that goal celebration did not happen on our home turf. Hmm. Um, but I think some of that is societal. I, you know, I just don't think kids these days do that, whether they're, they're you know, up and comers with PSG or Real Madrid or wherever. I, I just don't think they do that. Um, and, and, and that hurts me because now that confirms that I'm an old timer and I love that stuff. <laughs> but um, I, I think our identity is, is, is we're lost right now. We're kind of a lost soul. We're wandering uh, the soccer landscape trying to figure out who we are. You know, Jurgen wanted us to be one thing. Uh, that we clearly weren't, uh, you know, what is our next manager going to want us to be? I think, you know, the expectations have to be realistic. Look at a minimum, let's, let's be hardworking. Let's find some speed and let's realize we don't have uh, the greatest quote unquote skill guys around, but let's try and find them. Let's try to refine them uh, and, and add, you know, one or two a year to the mix. Um, that should be what our, our, our expectations are, but our style I don't know. You know, if you want to define style, I think it's, you know, you first probably have to go pretty base and just say, look, are you offensive minded or are you kind of sit back and, and take it and counter? You know, I think there's kind of those, those two camps. Uh, and then you kind of find where you are in between um, those very broad definitions. You know, I think the U S is realistic with who they are and who they usually uh, play when they get to a bigger stage. And it's more, sit back, deal with stuff and, and try and counter. So if that's what you are, well, let's find some speed, man. I, I feel like it's been forever since I, I saw, you know, an American beat somebody in a, in a foot race uh, in a game that matters. I, I can't remember the last time I saw an American take on somebody on the dribble and beat him. You know, we, we've gotten away from that. You know, where are you, Tab Ramos? Um, you know, where are you, some of these guys that, that would come flying at you and, and take you on and beat you and break you down? That's how you win games one-on-one. You know, I, I, look, I love a good 5v2 warm-up drill as much as anybody. But in the end, I, you know, I want to see an American take somebody's ass on in a one-on-one situation, exactly. beat them, uh, and, and set up a goal. And we haven't had that for years. And, and I want to know where that's coming from. Uh, and I want to see that back with this national team. I'm not even Absolutely. sure where that answer just went because I don't think that was the question. <laughs> you asked me, but, uh, it, it, it annoys me that, that we don't have this with U.S. soccer. And, and, and I want to see it. and We should have it. Yep. You know who does have it? The U.S. women's national team has it, mm-hmm. and they have it in spades. Um, yep. and, and they're not afraid to go out and, and, and attack and, and show up players and go for that nutmeg and be a little audacious. And, and that's the beauty about being a, a world champ. That's the beauty about being part of a team that's already qualified for a World Cup. Well, that's that's actually a perfect transition to the last question that we have for you. Uh, I was going to ask you about uh, what what was exactly your use of the magic spray in Russia, but uh, more importantly, will you be taking that magic spray to France? <laughs> uh, you know, whatever customs allows in, we'll, we'll go. Um, can't wait for France. You know, Russia was an amazing experience and uh, learned a ton. And boy, it was rough for a few patches there without the U.S. team, but then we we just kind of adapted and it was kind of free freeing for us that we could just talk soccer and talk the stories and not have to be mm-hmm. 
burdened with, you know, the ton of uh, programming obligations we would have had to do for the U.S. Women's National Team, mm-hmm. which we would have happily done uh, and enjoyed. But, you know, it gave us more time to talk about, you know, Germany's collapse and, yeah. and what the hell's going on with Argentina's locker room and all these fascinating storylines yeah. that appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the women, you know, there's much more of, of an education, I think, going on for everybody than there is with the men's game right now. I think for the most part, people are pretty caught up with the big storylines. Um, with with men's soccer and on the women's side, not so much. You know, I think there's a lot of people who uh, are expecting Carly Lloyd, you know, to be the, the golden girl again this summer. And then we tell them that she's now kind of a super sub. You're like, whoa, wait a second, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so things like that are, are happening, you know, throughout. Um, and it's different going into a World Cup when when the focus is your team. Um, and, and that's not just us. That's the world, you know. I mean, so much of the focus is on this U.S. Women's National Team as the defending champs, and and that creates different different issues, different problems, um, different eases for us as well. So um, I'm just looking forward to being hanging out with the Eiffel Tower uh, over my shoulder for about a month. I, I don't think there's there's too many people who are going to be complaining about that gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we we had Fernando Fiore on before the Men's World Cup. Uh, we had Katie Whittem on our show as well. So we look forward maybe bringing you back on to talk about Women's World you Cup. You got all the heavy hitters over there. You got, some, you got somebody's Fox Rolodex. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we just got extremely lucky. Yes, um, very lucky, as, as we did here. So uh, yes. we want to thank you again, Rob, for taking the time and joining us. Uh, to talk about, you know, to commiserate with us a little bit about the Galaxy and and uh, and and talk about uh, uh, the U.S. Men's National Team. You got it, guys. Happy to join, and, and I'm glad there's there's entities out there like like this and what you guys are doing. Uh, it shows the growth in the sport, shows the care uh, and the passion and desire, and you know, let, let the fan base speak. Um, you guys are a massive, massive part of success in the, in this country. So the the more of these, the better for me, because man. Not too long ago, there, there was nobody to talk to soccer with. It was just me and Alexi hanging out at a hotel bar talking to each other. So now <laughs> we got others. That's a good thing. Uh, well, thank you very much, Rob. We really, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk soccer. And we are uh, down to talk soccer at any time. So uh, you're definitely welcome back uh, whenever. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. And on behalf of the entire LA's House crew, we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.